A reading from the Gospel of Luke, chapter 8, verses 1 through 8. Soon afterwards, he went out through cities and villages, proclaiming and bringing the good news of the kingdom of God. The twelve were with him, as well as some women who had been cured of evil spirits and infirmities. Mary, called Magdalene, from whom seven demons had gone out, and Joanna, the wife of Herod's steward, Cusa, and Susanna, and many others, who provided for them out of their resources. When a great crowd gathered, and people from town after town came to him, he said in a parable, A sower went out to sow his seed, and as he sowed, some fell on the path and was trampled on, and the birds of the air ate it up. Some fell on the rock, and as it grew up, it withered for lack of moisture. Some fell among thorns, and the thorns grew with it and choked it. Some fell into good soil, and when it grew, it produced a hundredfold. As he said this, he called out, Let anyone with ears to hear listen. And a reading from Hebrews chapter 10. Let us hold fast to the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who has promised is faithful. Grace and peace to you from God our Creator, from our Savior Jesus Christ, and from the Holy Spirit, the one who is present here in our midst and wherever you are and wherever we go. So as some of you know, I was just hiking last weekend uh, on the Superior Hiking Trail, and I was with my 12-year-old niece. And one of our little things we like to do is read, read a book together. So we picked out a book that we were going to read out loud while we were on the trail. And we picked out this time The Hobbit. And I hadn't read it before, and neither had she. And so it was super fun to be on an adventure reading about an adventure. And since we've been finished and back home, I've been thinking about this book a lot. Here is this hobbit, Bilbo Baggins, and he loves his nice little predictable life in his hobbit hole. He likes it just where he is. And then he gets suddenly swept away on this adventure with 13 dwarves and a wizard. And they go through all these just unimaginable adventures with goblins and trolls and wolves and all these things. And just about once a chapter, there's this epic adventure and then there's also this moment where Bilbo goes, oh, I just wish I was back home, <laughs> right? He's just always wishing he was back home in his cozy little, little hobbit hole. And I'll tell you what, I can relate to that. I don't know about you. Not this otherworldly adventure of dwarves and wizards and all of that, but the nostalgia that comes when life gets a little bit unpredictable or uncertain or just shaky and there's this moment where I want to go back maybe to when I was 12 years old when life was a little more predictable when the list of things that I could count on was longer than it is now maybe if you wander back in your own mind you can kind of create that list from I don't know 10 or 12 years old here's the things I knew I could count on I mean I think of things like the bus was always at the top of the driveway, right? <laughs> My mom was always like waking us up and we were always trying to stay in bed a little bit longer. 
I think about when I got on that bus and we'd drive into town. My grandma lived on, in this little greenhouse right on the bus route. And every morning, she'd be in the window of her little greenhouse waving to us, and we'd be in the bus, like, waving back to her. I mean, I could count on that. I could count on a fight or two with my brother. I could count on my dad being out in the field, and we'd have to wait for supper until he would come in, and it would be time to eat. I mean, it's nice to have this list of things you know you can count on. Now, Perhaps you can also remember a time or an incident or a moment when that changed. When you suddenly had this kind of new understanding of the world that this list isn't going to be the list forever. Maybe it was a big world event. Like for me, it was when the Challenger exploded in 1986 or the World Trade Centers in, in 2001. Or closer to home, my understanding of that list kind of got rocked um, when I was in sixth grade and I could count on my grandma waving in the window and then she died. And I didn't have that really predictable wave anymore. The older we get and the longer we live and the more people we know and the more experiences that we have, we get to know how this human life of ours is ever-changing, right? So here's the thing. You and I, as followers of Jesus, we are called to cultivate this fruit of faithfulness in the midst of this world and this culture that is just constantly changing. We are trying to so hard to keep up with what's coming next that it's hard to just go, okay, I'm supposed to be faithful to this one thing that never changes. And this is the tension that we will sort of constantly be finding ourselves in. Somewhere between the impermanence of this culture and this human skin we live on in this life on earth and a devotion to an unwavering, unchanging God who is faithful to us. So when I put those things together and I find myself in the tension between them, I have this whole list of questions that starts to kind of develop in my head. Um, and, and, and I know that that list of things I can count on for sure becomes shorter and shorter. So why worship an unchanging God? Shouldn't we be moving along with the times? You know, if everything else is impermanent, shouldn't uh, we be changing too? I mean, that question is at the top of my mind as a pastor in the church today. I mean, not just this church, but the church it's not a given anymore, right? We all know somebody who's sort of said, I, I, don't, I don't need that in my life or has become skeptical or has walked away or been hurt. So we wonder, why, why continue to be faithful when there's so much ambivalence about it in our society? What is it that compels us to be faithful? Why do we continue to go to church? What is it that we have to hold on to? This question is also sort of top of my mind as I reflect on the past year of the pandemic and certainly everything changing for us in the midst of that, but also this reckoning that we have been um, having with racial injustice that's been here for a long time, but many of us are starting to really reckon with it now. I mean, what inspires faithfulness in a people who will always have times of sickness and abandonment and hurt and grief and oppression and uncertainty. 
So there you go. I threw a lot of big, big questions at you. And I don't know, I, I don't want to oversimplify it, but I do want to turn to this text that we have read for today because I think in this we get a little glimpse of why we are faithful. In this reading from um, Luke chapter 8, we start out with just a description of the party of people that's following Jesus. And it's a description we might just skip over. And in fact, when I read it, I thought, I think I put the wrong verses in there because those first few didn't seem to go with the parable of the sower that I was thinking about. But then as I read them, I thought, no, we can't skip over this list of people because we think Jesus is just walking around with the 12 disciples. But here in Luke chapter 8, we get this introduction of all these different kind of diverse and randomly assorted group of people that's following along with Jesus. There's several women, people who have been healed from diseases. There's one that's associated with Herod's court. Uh, so it's just this really interesting mix of people that's going around with Jesus. And their, their task is to proclaim good news to people. And with that little group of people in a gathering crowd around, Jesus tells this parable. And it may be familiar to you. It's a, the story of a sower who goes out and throws seed and sows seed. Some falls on rocky soil, some on thorny and weedy soil, and then other on good soil. Now, I find it interesting as um, sort of a farmer myself in a small way, backyard farm, right? that the sower isn't a little more careful about where the seeds are being thrown. I mean, if you know the seed grows best in good soil, just put the seed in good soil, right? But this, this sower is just throwing it all over the place, hoping that some seeds will land in a place where they can grow. And I find that fascinating, that here we have this ragtag group of people following Jesus, many of whom we wouldn't look at and go, oh, now there's some good soil, right? And Jesus continues to throw the seed, to plant the good news. I read in this parable that God continues to be faithful to us, to see what is good and whole and worthy and holy in us, even when we can get sort of overwhelmed by the weeds or by the thorns or by the rocks even when the things that we can count on put us off in maybe less than good soil. So this sort of odd group of followers that listened to Jesus that day uh, grew. And, and many more people wanted to hear about a God who was liberally throwing seeds every which way, believing that they could grow. Their numbers began to grow and people began to worship and pray together and they would eat together and they would share their resources together. I mean, there's this just really idyllic picture in the New Testament about how this group of followers began to um, become community together and be connected to one another. This faithfulness was inspired not because life came, became perfect or predictable when they began to follow Jesus, they were faithful even in times of pain and oppression because they knew a God who would be faithful to them. Not because life was perfect or predictable, but because God in all times was faithful to them. We know that as the New Testament goes on and as the followers of Jesus continue to be following today, 
the followers of Jesus will experience conflict. They will disagree with one another. They will go through loss and fears and uncertainty and grief and temptations. We are human after all, right? The world keeps changing. Yet God, the sower of the seeds, keeps throwing them faithfully onto us. So what I appreciate about these followers is that they practiced their faith um, in the same ways, many of the same ways that we do today. They came together to a place of worship, to be together and to worship God and to speak about a God who is faithful. They prayed together, trusting that God was listening and responding. They received Holy Communion together, believing that this meal would somehow strengthen them in their faith. But they also then took that faith back into their homes. When they went back home, they, they found that they could be generous in their community because of who they were called to be. They found that they were, were sharing with neighbors um, out of their abundance. They found that as they interacted with one another and in the washing of the dishes and in the planting of the seeds, that God was there alongside them in their work, in their worship, in their growing, and in their whole lives. This group understood that in the midst of extraordinary change throughout the course of human life, the Holy Spirit continues to work in us in big ways and in small ways, in fantastic ways and in really ordinary ways. And so as we live and move and practice our faith on this day, in this place, but also as we go back out into our homes and into our world, the Holy Spirit continues to move and stir among us. And in many ways, this is the reason for this whole sermon series this summer, is to go, you know, here's the way we can practice our faith, not just when we are together, but when we go out into our world as well. The more we are able to watch for God at work in the world around us, the more we will find this faithfulness being cultivated and growing in us. I really like this uh, Celtic tradition that is, is famous for just really simple prayers by ordinary people about everyday life. The Celts specialized in prayers for sort of mundane matters. And I wonder if just thinking about it in this way would help us to kind of cultivate these gifts of the Spirit. The Celts remind us that we meet God in both the very sacred and in the mundane. And so they had a prayer for getting dressed, a prayer uh, for going to sleep, for waking up, a prayer for when they would light the fire. They prayed for birth and for death, for healing and protection, for hunting and herding and fishing and farming. They prayed invocations to bless all that they did. Here's one of them. Christ above me, Christ before me, Christ behind me, Christ around me, this day, this night, each day, each night. Another one goes like this. How fragile life is, easily snuffed out, like a candle in the wind, fleeting, its end unknowable. Help us to value our lives, to use our time wisely, and to give you glory. We read this quote that says, um, God's grace allows us to be transformed by doing little acts of family life with great love, wiping noses, 
drying tears, drying pictures, playing games, calming fears. God is at work in these ordinary moments. Faithfulness is cultivated right there in the laundry and the leftovers. Now, we often think about God at work among us in the big moments, right? Easter Sunday or a mountaintop experience or a moment of inspiration or high emotion. But faithfulness is cultivated when we remember that God goes with us right into the ordinary. And in so many ways, that is even more miraculous. And so today, let's offer our own just simple prayers for driving home, for grocery shopping, for maybe a little league practice or watering the garden or prayers for driving home after a long day, maybe on a search for lost keys or for the lawnmower to start, although who's mowing their lawn? <laughs> Let's just turn that one to prayers for rain. For our people that we love to grow. So today, may you know in your heart the faithfulness of God at work in each and every one of your ordinary moments. May you see the Holy Spirit at work in you in the highs and the lows and the changes that life brings. When something that you once could count on has changed, may you count on God above all else. And may you come to know God's love at work in you. God's grace, God's faithfulness to you because it is unfailing, unconditional, unending, and most of all, unchanging. To this, we will never stop saying, thanks be to God. Amen.